Hello, and welcome to System Mastery, the podcast so nice, we named it System Mastery. Today, we're going to be discussing Wraithu, a word that is hard to say, which makes it a perfect accompaniment to a game that is hard to swallow. This one is pretty famously a bad idea, and I just plain cannot wait to tell you why. So gird up your flowery loins, because it's time for a deep dive on today's System Mastery. John, you know, before we get started today, we do have a announcement mastery to go through. And for various reasons, I feel like it's a good idea to do this one first. Yeah, let's let's not put this later. Let's do this one <laughs> early. Yeah, because I get I get the distinct impression, sort of a worrying fear in the pit of my stomach, that this is gonna be one of those episodes where people are gonna mail us later and say, like, Guys, I love you, and I tried, but this was too much. I I turned this off after 20 minutes. I could not deal. Yeah, and I don't want that to happen to the fine people who support our announcement mastery system, which, again, you can go get us to read something for you for the low, low cost of 50 bucks. There's a button on our website, systemmasterypodcast.com, called Give Us Some Money. It'll walk you through the process, and we'll read stuff for you. And this week, our message comes from Tessa. And I'll go ahead and read it to you now. I'm sorry, Tess looks like. Dearest Jeff, John, and all the lovely listeners out there, this is a really, really long shot. Lockdown madness continues. Joblessness prevails. So if anyone hearing this has a software engineering slash quantum computing slash graphical calculi job going, hell, if you just want a mathematician as a pet, please, please go and check out my partner's website at hjmb.co. .uk. Once again, hjmb.co.uk. Yeah, they just remember, just handjobsmrballs.co.uk. <laughs> yep, that's definitely what it stands for. That's for sure, hjmb.co.uk. They are just winding up their PhD in graphical calculi for quantum computing at Oxford University and are looking for work, ideally in the UK or remote. They also do heartachingly cute drawings of hedgehogs, Check those out on Instagram at sometimesmyhandswork. Or sorry, just at sometimesmyhandswork. I'm not familiar with the Instagram. I'm terrible at the gram. <laughs> the Instagram. Get out of here, the Grandpa. Instagram. Oh, come on. Leave me be. I learned Tumblr, and then they took it away. <laughs> Work, be it maths or hedgehogs, would be much appreciated. Again, hjmb.co.uk. Handjobs, mrballs.co.uk. <laughs> I'm almost certain it doesn't stand for that. <laughs> but you can't be certain it doesn't. I feel like I could be. <laughs> thank you, Hex. You're doing great. Keep going. Jeff and John, your podcasts are a lifeline. We can't thank you enough. Tess. Aw, thank you. Yeah. And we're going to keep doing them, so don't worry about that lifeline. And I hope that this goes well for you. All right. Well, you know, let's get it. <laughs> I think we got enough heartfelt out of the way that it's time for us to go dive into the, the pit of the abyss that is the rest of this episode. So uh, so see you on the other side. Okay, let's get started. I'm your host, Jeff, joined as always by the other host, John. I don't know if he's yours or not. I don't like to speak for him in that regard. He's his own man. It's true. I am no one's host. 
<laughs> yeah, host to no man, John. <laughs> no gods are hosts, only men. The podcast man with no name or hosting <laughs> responsibilities. <laughs> John. Yes. Uh, how are you? Oh, I'm excellent. Everything's oh, that's good. fabulous. I feel like you're being disingenuous right now. I mean, it's not like I can see you or anything. I, but it, it's it, you're reading disingenuous. Are you sure you're okay? Oh, I'm wonderful. What could possibly really be angry. wrong with the world? Do you think? Do you think you should maybe? Uh, you sound super angry. So if you could just count down backwards from ten and I just sort of not. try to relent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's true. There's a lot wrong with the world and everything sucks. But good news, we read an extremely weird book. Oh my god! I just this book. <laughs> I'm looking really forward to the next two weeks where we get to read something small and easy because this was a we get a treat now this every once in a while when we do a book like this the next the next episode it's a treat yeah it doesn't even matter what we review because it isn't going to be this and that's great (laughs) that creates the treat so we review are about to review or discuss at the very least Wraithu. Uh, which is a role-playing game based on a series of novels by an author named Storm Constantine. Yeah, and, uh, you know, just a, just a quick content warning on this. This has uh, some real problematic sex stuff in it. Uh, yeah, there's definitely some weird sex stuff going on. In, in fact, I would say that this book is almost entirely sex stuff. God, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of it. But there's also just a lot of weird world-building stuff in addition to that. Yeah, okay, so this is basically the perfect storm of a bad book, because we have a lot of different sort of categories of bad book that we discuss on the show on a regular basis. Uh, one of the most common categories is big ideas but nothing to do. This definitely has that. Uh, another one is, is uh, ultra-complicated rules for no reason. And boy, does this ever have that. I mean, it's uh, also, also a based on a license and isn't really about anything but that license. Yeah, there's nothing else to do but play in that license. But here's some fun news, John. I couldn't help myself on this one. And I actually researched just a little tiny bit about the books that this is based on. And you know what's crazy? They're set 10 years after the RPG is. Yeah. You get to play the lead up to the story yeah. so that, you know your characters can be established so that when the story starts, you can slide right in there. God damn it. The choice of words, I swear. Just uh, like a raging Oana Leem. <laughs> right into a waiting, what is it, Ume La? Sumi La. Okay. Um, so these novels are about a new race of people. Uh, they have superseded humanity. It is the not-so-distant future Next Sunday, A.D., one might even think. And uh, these people, known as Wraithu, uh, have come to supplant humanity, uh, although they aren't quite done with that process yet. Yeah, uh, no one's this quite- is basically mid-apocalypse. Like, we're not quite post-apocalypse, but it is, like, right around the time that the apocalypse is currently going. <laughs> Well, yeah, and the book kind of, I feel like it doesn't get its own timescale even a little bit, because there's points where it'll be like, hey, when you're playing as a Wraithu, you should be either somewhere between 16 and 30 years old, because this is a new species, and 
and uh, there's not a lot of them that are that are old yet. Uh, so if you're playing as one, you've got to be a brand spanking new one. But also, the whole world has regressed to 17th century technology, and no one understands the origin or remembers the history of the Wraithu. And I'm like, but it only it couldn't be more than 30 years ago. It's a very weird amount of nonsense where the book both wants to have like a very established group of these Raithu where they're like, oh yeah, we want to have like various tribes and societies and they've set up things and we want there to be a structure to it. But they also are like, oh, but we wanted this to be early. And we keep saying that like the world is just fallen apart very recently everything's fucked up no one knows what anything is and so you have wildly different perspectives every time you read something in the book and that's not just ba- because the perspective is shifting throughout the book this book does it's all written from you know omniscient narrator perspective except for the many millions of banal quotes that tend to pepper it uh but just like as if the author himself because this isn't written by storm constantine but by an author who adapted it uh wasn't quite sure when things are said or, or or didn't get enough information about the history or backstory from the the original author so you have this problem where it's a brand new society of Raithu, these these uh, uh dual gendered perfect uh mostly ma- male looking people uh who uh, but it's a brand new society but they have no recollection of how the society started or why any of the tribes of them are named what they are or where the customs of the tribes came from and it's not like they this this whole it's not one of those things where like they faded into existence one day and they didn't have the knowledge no they they came they have an origin story and stuff they just don't know it it's very weird it is a very it's weird ex- choice yeah, and the you also run into this problem that we're going to see right away. Actually, this is a good chance for us to dive right into that opening fiction, uh, which I know you want to. Oh my god, I want to just really get into this opening fiction because it touches on several things that are very wrong with this book and that the book <laughs> doesn't seem to realize. Yes. Yeah, and just once again, to, to really get to that, that content warning thing, when I said they're dual gender, what I mean primarily is that the Raithu are hermaphroditic, uh, but at the same time, they exist outside of human gender roles. Uh, each one of them has a functional inserting type genital and a functional receiving type genital and can use both uh, as re- as wanted or needed. Uh that said, the book doesn't really – it keeps talking about how they're they're more complete people. In fact, they are fully complete people because they have all of male and female inside of every one of them. And, and I, that's not what a complete person is. Gender isn't the, the full gestalt of the human experience. Yeah. Anyway, I'm also sorry. To We're going to have a lot. Like, there's <laughs> just all of the things with gender and sex in this are very fraught. So yeah. just know that. To give you the most bare-bones concept of what you're playing as in this game, imagine if a young Iggy Pop was blown through Cher's closet by a tornado. And that's what they all look like, okay? Got it. Go ahead with the short fiction, John. Let's hear it. Okay, so before you really know almost anything about this world or what a Wraithu is or anything, you get this opening fiction. And we are, from the point of view of a sad, 
dumpy teenager going to high school who is going to definitely, you know, ring familiar with several people of just that, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not very popular. I'm kind of overweight. I mostly just want to keep my head down and not get fucked with during the day. Like it's a very sad, depressed character. And also we get a little bit about how like, Oh, you know, some of his friends have gone missing. Like either yeah. he thinks they've left or they've just, you know, disappeared. But because he's a little on the self-absorbed side, because again, he's very much a woe is me kind of Dumpington of a kid, where he, most of his dialogue is things like, oh, the school is run by the jocks. And if they catch me, I'm like prey before a herd of hungry wolves, because that's just the natural order of high school. Also, there's a picture of him with big old moobs, and he's wearing a shirt that says, I abuse Linux. Yes. Uh, which is going to come in important later when we discuss how, yeah, you know, let's do it now. How, <laughs> no, how no. this is... D d no. Not now? Okay, no, please, please go ahead, John. I want to finish this before we actually dive into the, the world, because it's important that you read all of this and then realize why it's fucking stupid. Carry on, my friend. Uh, all right. So this kid eventually gets dropped off by the bus and is waiting for his mom to pick him up in her car. Right, and yeah. Bus in, in, bus in car. Uh-huh. And instead, a car full of football hooligans, uh, the local football captain and his cronies, are coming out of a liquor store, and they're like, oh, we're gonna mess with this guy and shove him into their car. They go driving. And it's important... <laughs> It's very. It, it's noteworthy that he doesn't even try to run or fight or anything. He even in 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 his inner monologue that is the story. He's like, uh, I might as well go with him. I guess this is the end of my life. These guys are definitely gonna rape me or kidnap me or beat me or worse. Okay, let's see where the car goes. I mean, I'm gonna go ahead and say that's the thing. Like, if you if you were me in high school. And a group of people were going to come after you. You'd be like, Ugh. it's the same thing where you're like, if I try and like run or do anything, it's just going to be worse. So let's okay. just let them fuck around. <laughs> I know you didn't but have I mean, that experience because you were a sexy high school boy. <laughs> well, so first of all, I was a sexy high school man because it took me a while to graduate. Um, but but also, <laughs> I, I feel like there's a difference for me between, you know, I. If they're just going to pick on me a bunch and call me a fat kid and maybe give me a noogie or whatever. But he's like, these guys are going to murder me. This is the end of me today. <laughs> Which I feel like at that point, even if I'm pretty sure I'm going to get beat up either way, I'm going to put my feet to the ground. <laughs> well, you haven't been beaten down by life yet. <laughs> sure I have. I'm fucking 40 now. <laughs> no, I mean, as as a as a kid. No, oh, fair enough. Yeah, as a kid, I was a skid. Exactly. Um, Unlike this yes. kid. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, he's in a car with a bunch of, of uh, excited, bullyish football players. Yeah. They drive him around town before taking him to a rundown part of town that's, like, where the gangs are. 
Yeah, and they drive him long enough that he has no idea where he is or how he got there. They they specifically get him lost. Yeah, he's like, I gave up trying to figure out where the fuck we were going because there was no way I was going to actually remember all of this. We are somewhere in town. I have not been. Yeah, and then they drag him into a basement. Yep, they push him down there, and (laughs) lo and behold, there in the basement is just a full-on... Yowie sparkles fucking like I want to say <laughs> he's he's part of the group that is like all of these are sexy skinny tall yowie boys but these are the ones that are the bad boys so they've got leather and mesh yeah yeah they're very mad max yowies um they're like we've got the mohawks ones. and tattoos and mesh shirts yeah, and all of them have long, luscious, sexy hair so that they look like... Basically, all of the art in this book looks like it, What the stuff that, that the Sandman comics turned down. Yeah, this is, this is all very much like, ooh, I decided to make an entire race of dream, and you're like, please don't. Mm-hmm. And all of them have magnificent, cum-gutter, V-shaped bodies and so on, uh, and are entirely breastless, uh, as far as you can tell from, from um, other than the fact that sometimes they're given feminine hips or, or facial features, uh, they are hermaphroditic, but decidedly male about it. So, there's a scuffle, and eventually he gets knocked out, finds himself mm-hmm. uh, tied to a slab in a room with some other guys there, we assume the other football jocks, And then someone cuts his wrist open, cuts their wrist, and essentially, like, mingles their blood and then leaves. This starts the transformation, which is several days of torturous pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, it's starvation and pain. Yeah, he has spent three days starving and dirty in a room before this, and now he is essentially in the worst pain of his life imaginable. Mm -hmm. And uh, once that finishes, he wakes up to find that same, uh, like, live yowie punk in the room with him and is like, hey, uh, I I was your friend. The one that you were sad was gone. It's me. I became a sexy dude. Now you are also a sexy dude. That's my gift to you. Let us bone. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I am Carmine, and your name no longer matters, for you are Bowline, the knife to my blade or whatever. And and then they have sexy-style weird sex with their weird uh, <laughs> genitals, which, by the way, are pictured on the cover of the book. Uh, the, the male, the, the uh, God, what was it called again, John? The, the Uana Lim? The Uana Lim is pictured on the cover of the book. Yeah. The you don't know it when you see it because there's a knife and then something that just sort of looks like a flower knife. And you're like, Mm -hmm. all right, that's weird. And then you realize later that, oh, no, that's what they have for a penis. Mm hmm. Yeah. And that's more or less the end of the story. He becomes Bolin, the golden, beautiful god of being one of these guys, uh, these hars, as the book uses as the gender terminology. Uh, And. That's when it ends, but there's a lot of stuff I feel like that the the short fiction leaves unspoken. Now, and, and I th- that might be the best way, the best way to examine it. Yeah, 
Now you read this and you immediately get an idea of what you think you're going to be getting into. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, Raythu are basically vampires, but instead of like drinking blood, they are just sexy andro- androgynous dudes. And like when they bite you, you don't just turn into a vampire. You turn into a sexy vampire and you're like, okay, all right, I get it. It's, it's like modern day. There's uh there's some stuff going on. Great. It's then that you find out that the world has essentially gone through several cataclysms to the point where there are most nations have either been nuked or like earthquaked or tsunamied such that there are like only a few small bastions of cities. Yeah, we just get we just get sort of a generic description of what the earth basically revolted and was like, I'm tired of all these humans. So at the same time, earthquakes, tidal waves, fires, big diseases, clouds of things. Also, random computer viruses on every single computer in the world all at once, even the ones that weren't connected to anything. Every one of them breaks because of computer viruses. Meanwhile, acid boils up and it just goes on like this. It's just, you know, everything goes fucking wrong. Yeah. So at this point, it's like, oh, and then the Raythu showed up. So it's not like, oh, that's what's going to happen. It's, oh no, the world has essentially crumbled into just small outposts of humanity where they've managed to like throw up some walls and maintain a little bit of civilization. And the rest of it is just sort of wild fucking nonsense. And then the Raythu show up as a new species that is both mm-hmm. male and female and is superior to humans in every way. They're more in touch with creation and nature and magic. And they have both male and female. They don't care about gender or sexuality. It's all, you know, very enlightened. And then you learn about what they are and you're like, oh, no, actually, you're not. None of that is true. No, they aren't. They aren't existing outside of gender. They are very gender hierarchical. Uh, they are very much. I mean, what I really want to say before we get into this part of it is is that the kid who wrote, who was the the main character of the of the opening fiction, one hundred and fifty percent buried the lead. The world has ended, and he's all be like, "Oh, fat kids have it hard in high school." Uh, my mom has to pick me up in her car, which are all gone. Uh, I'm no going to go home and play buses. video games. How? What? I Why? An, I mean, I have an I abuse Linux shirt, even though every computer in the world crashed a year ago. Man. It's like, dude, you you buried the lead. There was a lot of shit going on before your sad sack routine. Oh, yeah. The fact that we get into this and I'm like, your whole deal shouldn't be, oh, man, the bullies at school. Am I right? It should be, ho oh, there's a shortage on medicine, and we're going to die. Yeah. Instead of him being like, oh, a lot of my friends feel like they've run away. How could you blame them? What would the problems these days? Which is the kind of shit that you could say in any year between now and the beginning of high schools. Oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, some of my friends transferred to different schools. I'm like, what other schools? <laughs> if there's one school, you're doing great in this society. 
All right. So you may be wondering when we're finally going to talk about the rules of this game. And I'll tell you, it's at page 128, which is when you first see your first wild rule out and floating in the middle of a paragraph about how great Wraithu are. Yeah. I mean, I understand that not only is it a property based on something. So you're like, okay, we have to establish what that is so that anyone coming to this that isn't familiar with it can at least know what's going on. But also that property is fucking buck wild. So you've got to actually be like, Hey, so you're going to be playing as a hermaphroditic androgynous wizard vampire. And depending on the tribe that you're in, you might have a gender role or you might not. Anyway, eh, the world is fucked and you're not doing anything. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's get into the Raithu. The Raithu for... Uh, okay, this this book was written... The the RPG was written in 2005, and I assume that the actual original Raithu novels were written significantly before then because the only way to really kind of conceptualize what Raithu are is... Once upon a time, there was a woman who desperately, for her own reasons, needed Yaoi to exist. But for her, for whatever reason, it did not. And therefore, she created her own Yaoi with arcane rules that that, uh, that force the Yaoi to be Yaoi, as opposed to res- uh, resetting to a non-Yaoi state, which will not do. Uh, because... Among other things, uh, only boys can be incepted into incepted is the word, by the way, for being turned into a Raithu from being a human. Only men and boys can be incepted as Raithu. Uh, their sex that they have with each other, which is called Aruna, is not only way better than human sex in every way, but also completely mandatory. They have to have Aruna all the time or they get violent and crazy. Yeah. And not only that, this going back to the story. Uh, you have to have sex after the whole inception thing in order to set your transformation, because if not, then you might like mutate or go feral or something, which so means what you're telling me, <laughs> please go ahead. Don't let me finish the thought. By all means, take it, <sighs> which means that the Raithu kidnap young boys because it very specifically says that younger is better for this because older men tend to die during the transformation. They have too much history that they have to self-evaluate during the three days of lying there turning into a Raithu, and usually that history backs up, like, feedback waves into them and kills them. So yeah, it's usually 16 to 19-year-olds who are who this happens to. So they're kidnapping young boys, torturing them, and then essentially raping them afterwards because you wake up after torture are messed up and someone next to you who now looks you know like a weird iggy pop is like we have to have sex or you're going to die here we go Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now if that sounds a lot like say for example uh the common misconception about the the uh what's the word i'm looking for john the indoctrination of children into gay or lgbt lifestyles then Mm. yes it does it sounds pathetically and dangerously like that yeah, it is. I mean, you read magic it. magic cyber goth forced me gay. You read it and you're like, oh, this is a cult. You go in and they torture you and force you to, like, basically break your mind and body. And then they're like, great, now you're one of us and you can't fight back anymore. 
but also <laughs> oh, it, it, you also also you never could because of course these things aren't just better than people they are significantly better than people in every regard yes Raythu are hardier and stronger and faster and smarter and better and also magical just baseline yeah. magic i really the other i got to complete that thought when i was saying that that uh that basically it's not just yaoi it also has kind of traces of like super hulak or omegaverse stuff where uh it's not where basically this is a whole arcane universe of rules designed to force these these things these creatures to have sex with each other all the time and not with anybody else if they have sex with humans their their bodily fluids are so toxic and melty that they kill the humans from the inside yeah the so so these horrors is that okay they are supposed to be like you think about it and like jeff was saying this sort of yaoi idea of what i really want is to see two sexy skinny dudes kissing and you're like Mm -hmm. okay sure i get it i understand that however it very much the whole thing feels like a very straight woman wrote this because like she couldn't conceive of any sex beyond penis and vagina as all of these characters are just like, Oh yeah, we've, we're all perfect human forms now, but when we, you know, get down and dirty, one person's got to be the lady and one person's got to be the man. Like that's just biologically, how it is. biologically to these, uh, to the Raithu, to these, to the Har as their, their kind of non, like their, their word for one or them is known. they, literally change physical appearance depending on who's pitching and who's catching uh if if you're if you're on the receiving end if you are going to be taking the the inserted into role in the very regimented sex that these guys have these folks have uh your 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 penis equivalent unfolds and turns into little pube flowers and your balls go away yeah you essentially invert you're like all right i'm gonna just have a vagina now all right I mean, they technically they technically have both things like uh they have both the the uh, the god i keep forgetting the names of them now uh but they have basically the penis and the vagina at all times but their penis if they're not currently using it for sex and specifically not just if they're not currently using it for sex but if someone else is currently giving it to them then their their penis unfolds and just turns into like pubes instead like you have a rose stuck to the front of you it doesn't turn into a vagina. It just unfolds so you don't have to see an unsightly penis. Yeah, the fact that the the sex just comes down to you have to have, like, standard P and V sex mm-hmm. is and so weird that you're like, oh, I decided to do an entire thing where I've made up an excuse to have sexy boys get together and they have to have sex but I also don't like the idea of two penises at the same time, apparently. So let's just go ahead and fix that. Yeah, there's a single passage in here that I felt was more instructive to the worldview of the of the authors. And I'm not sure which author to blame here, but this one passage is more instructive of their worldview than any other thing in the book. And it's just uh, here I go. A har is both male and female and has all the required organs for both functions. They can take a dominant or passive role in Aruna and do not have to stick to the same role. So 
there's a lot that you can kind of glean from this. It may sound relatively simplistic, but you have to you have to keep in mind that it's it's being given to you as this is how these these creatures are different than humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're saying that that unlike humans, they can take a dominant or a passive role, and unlike humans, they can switch between them. Yeah, the book in several other places continues to say that if you are the one penetrating, you are dominant, and if you are the one being penetrated, you are passive. Yeah. Which and it says a lot more than. Go ahead. Wow. No, just I'm, yeah. That is. <laughs> <sighs> Obviously, no one's ever heard of a power bottom. No, or of a switch, (laughs) or or of pegging, or any of these sorts, or or even just of using your hands and mouth and butthole. Uh, Okay, a har is both male and female and has all the required organs for both. John, let me ask you a quick question. What are the required organs for being female? (laughs) Uh, Let's see. You probably want some heart, lungs, liver in there. I mean, that's that in and of itself is already a, a, a backwards, horrible thing to say, uh, because if a woman, for medical reasons, loses her vagina, or if she never had one in the first place, is she still a woman? Obviously, of course. A, 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 but the, not to this book, to this book, uh, <laughs> when it says that they have all the, the required tools to be both genders, that means they have a penis-y thing and a vagina-y thing. Yes, indeed. Uh, this, this, this sentence leaves you wondering what the authors of this book thought actual gay people are like. <laughs> I, and I'm going to go ahead and float a theory that I think you and I both very much agree on that this person's opinion of real world, actual living gay people is when they meet them and they meet couples, their, their first thought is, all right, which one of you is the girl? Yes. This is definitely one of those things where you're like, oh, clearly, you know, any couple, you're going to have someone who's the man and someone who's the woman if no matter what type of you know couple you are and it's just there's a very weird sense to things where you'd think that going in you're like oh this is probably someone who's got you know some very wide open views on the whole gender and sex thing because of the way they they made this but it ends up coming across very repressive yeah, it's it's exceedingly restrictive. I mean, notably, there's no mention anywhere throughout this book of hand stuff or mouth stuff. Or uh, and a question I asked John in the middle of our read through was, "Do you think these guys do anal?" And the thing is, I feel like 100. percent I can guarantee you the answer is no, because any type of sex that isn't Aruna is a waste because Aruna is actually literally magical. Like, Mm -hmm. it is life-sustaining, but also creates, like, the ability to use magical energy as well. And I assume that they would be like, oh, no, there's no reason to do that. And there's more than just that. There also Aruna is just free for the taking. When you walk into it, if the people that you, if the Raithu that you're meeting are of the same tribe as you. You could just be like, hey, you, let's, hey, you, let's fuck. And they'll be like, them's fucking words. And the implication... (laughs) The implication is fairly strong that the reason for that is because the process of inception that makes you into a Raithu also makes you hot. And why would a hot person turn down sex from every single other hot person? Yeah, there's a a bit where it says like, oh, yeah, you'll wake up after you've been transformed, which is Althea is the name of the transformation. 
because mm-hmm. everything this is also a book where everything has a dumb name for no reason so yeah. <laughs> once you go through althea you wake up and regardless of what you were like when you were you know not a Rethu, you wake up and you realize you want sex and you don't have any hang-ups about it anymore like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you you get incepted and now you're like oh yeah i i don't have any weird concepts that if i was straight before now i'm basically banging a skinny dude that doesn't bother me don't worry not only does your body change your mind changes as well so that you're cool with it yeah your mind changes a lot this game has merits and flaws and one of the flaws that you can take is weird sexual perversion uh, which is that you just did something that was either illegal or particularly weird or whatever, and somehow it made it through your inception, and now it's still kind of part of your mind. So it'll be like, oh yeah, just like every other through though, you like and enjoy and can have ready access to all Aruna you could ever possibly want. Uh, but also, sometimes, because you're a broken, flawed monster, you like other things as well. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> so there's a lot of... It feels like this is supposed to be a book about liberation and, and losing hangups and becoming a beautiful kind of non-binary person. Uh, it's really, really not. Yeah, I mean, we can get into the tribes because this book, for all that it is very weird, is basically just Vampire the Masquerade, but you're all sexy dudes. Because uh, Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there are all of these tribes that you can just go ahead and say, oh, it's clans. These are all the clans from Vampire, except now they're called Tribes. Yeah, the, right down to the point where they have vague, mysterious superpowers that there aren't rules for anywhere. Yeah, they all have various things that they're better at. They all have their own ways of dealing with things for being in that tribe. And also, all of them have opinions about all of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, they're divided when they when you get to the tribe section. It'll be like, oh, uh, you know, thoughts of this tribe, uh... uh lifestyle clothing options how they treat aruna and then the last one is is always the section just called enemies which is just supposed to be a list of the other tribes that hate them and there's only like two that have any most of their opinions of each other are they seem mysterious if only car still existed so we could go over there and find out yeah also whenever they talk about the various tribes you also get like three different ones that are all like oh the Raythu in this tribe are especially sexy. And I'm like, you already said that twice before. You can't just yeah. say every tribe is very sexy. They're all yeah. baseline sexy. <laughs> uh, they all kind of look the same, honestly. The only real difference is in their clothing. And then there's one tribe that has, like, magic hair. Uh, but uh, but otherwise, when you get uh, blood mingled by one of these guys and you go through Althea, you come out the other side... A gorgeous, sexy, seven-foot-tall har. You, uh, everyone does. So whenever, every time the book's like, oh, and these ones are particularly attractive, you're like, okay, but via what process? Is it because they take better care of themselves, or what are we doing? And of course, don't worry about how well they take care of themselves. They're immune to every earthly disease, and they don't appear to age, and no one even knows how long they live, and they don't need to work out to stay super hot. Hmm. Nothing hmm. could possibly get in the way of their ability to leisurely bone each other. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, <laughs> the tribes. Yeah. So the Colorastes is the, uh, we have control over our hair. We are a nomadic Snakey. snake tribe. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're just plain snaky. Yeah, that's their whole thing. They are known as the uh, the Serpent Hara. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, yeah, they're mysterious. And they're supposed they're supposed to have magical like like uh, Medusa level controls over their own hair, but there are no rules for that, and there are there's no mention that there ever will be. It just keeps talking about how sometimes these guys will whip out with their hair and grab things and and use their hair as clothing. They're like a whole tribe of sexy bayonetta people, but no rules for that though. So you figure it out. No, I mean, basically the whole thing is like, there are rumors that they can do that. And maybe it's true. And I'm like, don't just fucking, this is a book. And if I'm playing one, I need to know if I can hair a guy. Oh my God. There are so many things in this book that are like, we, we are unwilling to gener- to generically say no. So we're going to be like, there are rumors of it. Maybe it might be possible. Like there's a whole tribe of these, these uh, folks that it was just invented so that you could give women a hope that they might be inceptible themselves. Hmm. They, they, of course, the tribe does gets no stat line or anything. They're a legend. But the Zagane tribe, if you find them and if you can afford them, <laughs> why they might have the secret technology to incept women. Uh, so yeah, the cool Rasties, their whole thing is they're snaky. They've got psychic powers. Uh, they're good at bartering and they've got the hair thing. There is, mm-hmm. and the, they're a little more perceptive than in the others. There's the Jellaming, which is just the Ventru. If you've ever played <laughs> Vampire the Masquerade, <laughs> that's just what they are. They're the, uh, Raythu that are actually trying to make a society, but they're all like, oh, we're the upper crust. We only incept the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And so they're all, you know, love the smell of their own farts. Right. I, I actually don't have that much of a concept of vampire tribes. And so, except for the obvious ones. And so for me, these guys felt more like risen Atlanteans or Babylonian culture come back from the, from the past or something where they all wear ultra ornate armor and they spend their time having big ass superiority complexes. Uh, the, let's see, what else is there? Oh, the The Kakahar. Uh, wandering nomadic desert dweller wizards. Yeah. They're desert nomads. That just, that's it. That's their whole deal. Anything you might think a desert nomad has. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, curved swords, absolutely. Lots and lots of diaphanous veils. You got it, buddy. Hell yeah. Real good at excrutable magic, of course. Now you may have remembered that I said that the uh, the cool Rastis were a nomadic tribe. Well, so are them. Also, the Obliviata are a nomadic tribe. They've got a lot of nomadic tribes in this. Yeah, most of the tribes honestly are nomadic, so it's weird that they keep telling us whether they are or aren't. Uh, the Obliviata are the religious tribe for the most part, uh, and also the most mysterious. They have the weirdest inception process out of all of them, in that they poison you. You have to go to them and be like, I would like to be incepted. And they're like, okay, well, drink this wine. And the wine has all their blood in it, and it's supposed to kill you, but if you somehow survive, then you get incepted. That's not even really the weirdest one. The weirdest one is Colorastes, who uh, specifically incept prepubescent children. Uh, yeah, with well, the with the understanding that it, that when they become pubescent, they'll finish their inception. Yeah, they're like, oh, we do this, and then don't worry though, you don't have to. Uh, if you get them young enough, you don't have to have sex with them uh, yet, because that would be even grosser than we're already saying when you're, you know, fucking a 16 year old. So great. <laughs> hmm. Uh, yeah, the Obliviata are the ones who they consistently 
are making up new gods. Because again, we're talking about a very young culture, uh, and they have completely rejected the lost remnants of human civilization and human culture uh, to the point where they they seem gleefully unaware of Christianity or Judaism or what what have you, uh, and instead spend all their time being like, and I name the moon Lilith, the god of moonliness. And that's very important to them. Yeah, they can't do magic like everyone else does. Instead, they essentially channel their god. And so all of their magic is supposed to be like, oh, we don't cast spells. We just ask for miracles. Mm -hmm. And they're the closest thing you're going to find to what basically every one of these things is a sexy anime dude stereotype. And this one is the sexy Romani. Yep. They go in caravans, they are good with animals, they scavenge things real well, and mm-hmm. that's just them. After that is the Sul, which is the mysterious, inscrutable Middle Easterners. Yep, they're real good at doing magic. Great. If these are starting to bleed together, hey, you're right. <laughs> none of these matter, because none of them are, like, super distinct, except for... The last ones that we're going to talk about, the Uigena. The Uigena in the novels, to my understanding, are basically the kind of bad guys. Uh, but in this book, they've picked up sort of a, because they're part of the, the, the opening fiction and we get way more about them and their leader than any other culture, they, they almost feel like the main tribe. Well, they were the first tribe. So mm-hmm. the Uigena were... <sighs> In Megalithica, because this all takes place on basically Earth, but everything has a different name. Except for Kansas, which (laughs) accidentally gets called Kansas at one point. Yeah. (laughs) The whole world's, oh, the far Al-Sul, which is definitely just the Mediterranean, is almost to the other end of the world from Megalithica, which is basically North America, where Kansas is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But the, and it does it doesn't end there. Also, Linux exists, and so does every brand of gun and car. Yes, this is very oh, clearly <laughs> Earth, and then someone just decided to rename everything. Also, the music industry had a grunge uprising in 1991. Hmm. That's in the fucking book. So the Uigena are the super punk violent ones who want to just murder humans. Essentially, mm-hmm. if yeah. they aren't going to incept you, they will kill you. Oh, so much so that their leader, John, their leader is a fellow by the, or, yeah, I guess he's, I, I guess they are a fellow. No, it's just he. They use he as the pronoun in this. Yeah. It's 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 he, har, and hara. Well, the har and hara aren't pronouns. That's for person. Like yeah, you would say, one. A, like if I said, yeah, someone went to the store, instead it would be some har went to the store. Yeah, exactly. It's like trying to play Pony Finder. I'm up to speed. We're, we're like, every pony loves going to the pony market or whatever. These guys are like, every Hara knows this ancient legend. Exactly. Manticore the 70 is called Manticore the 70 because he once slew 70 humans in a fit of rage. And why am I leaning on this so hard? Oh, it's because it's in the book 15 times. <laughs> every time he gets mentioned, they explain his name again. Yep. The uh, every 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 time, so they're they're you would assume the villains, but like Jeff said, there's so much from their point of view that you're like, is am I supposed to be a ridiculous murderer? Is that the point of this? 
Right, because they're basically crust punks that are ultra sexy androgynous vampires. Um, that they, they they spend most of their, they're they're filthy, but they have wild punk style makeup. They're basically cyber goths, and their culture is we don't have one. We raid old human civilizations for beer, and they murder everybody. Yeah. Now the other one that's super fucked up is the Vars. The Vars. <laughs> Oh, I know that the Unea are in there. It doesn't matter. They're the less angry version of the Eugena. Yeah, the Eugena begat the Unea, who are like chill punks instead. Yeah. Now, the Vars, though, are probably the worst. They are a military tribe where everything is like, ah, yeah, we believe in going out and kicking ass and fights. But also, we have 100% divided our society into gender lines. We have yes. Raithu that are permanently, like, doing the guy jobs, and then some that are the lady ones. The guys go out and fight, and the women stay at home, obviously. And repair the armor. Of course, we don't call them that. We call them feminine and masculine Raythu. Uh But yeah, they have a rigid uh, hierarchical uh, gender caste system. And when I say hierarchical, it's because the dudes are in charge. Yes, it is actually considered like if there was a point where like, oh, we don't have enough feminine har, then a one of the masculine ones could just sort of step down. But it is considered like a great shame, even though you are doing it for the good of your tribe. And this does lead to the Vars, but when they incept people, they're very, they very rarely incept someone that they think will make a masculine har. They don't want that. They would prefer to keep their, their prestigious positions of soldierly power. So, that, so they go out and they try to incept the, for lack of a better term, most feminine teenage boys they can find to, to swell their harems. Yeah, it's, God, they're just awful. I hate them uh, so much. Yeah, and you know their their, their whole thing is their, their belief for why they're doing this is because something we may not have mentioned yet about the about the Raithu is that uh, they can't reproduce without humans, and yet they are all hell bent on eliminating the humans from the world. Their plan is get rid of all these humans, then we'll figure out how to reproduce without them, and then profit. And yeah, the the Var idea is if we enforce human style gender roles, it will unlock. Uh, reproduction like an Xbox Chivo. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, I guess if we force someone to act like a lady long enough, then they'll be able to have babies too. And you're like, that's a real fucking stupid worldview, but sure, great, go for it, my dude. You may find you may find yourself wondering, do these uh do these creatures have wombs? and interior biology that, that would match both genders. Uh, we don't know, and neither do they, because despite the fact that they are smarter and more inquisitive and, and uh, more worldly than any human ever possibly could be, uh, they all earthly sciences have been lost, and they don't like science in, uh, choosing uh, to believe that their ignorance is better than your science. Hmm. Uh, they won't. They, they they don't really like dissecting their own species, and they make a big deal of burning their dead as soon as they possibly can to keep humans from finding out anything about them. Yeah, they if they get into a fight, they will always 
steal their dead away so that no one can take a look at them. And that's one of those things where I'm like, come on, they've already taken over most of the world and they still get into routine machine gun fights with humans. And you're telling me that they have perfectly maintained a record of no dead bodies ever for anyone at any point. Because <sighs> it's not like these things are Superman's. They're they're. <laughs> You can shoot them with a gun and they'll die. You, you'll learn right away when you get to the rules that actually they're pretty bad at everything. And and this this is one of those games that has way too many rules and way too bad of chances to succeed at anything and way too many penalties. But yeah, if you shoot one, it's just going to die. So you, it, it, this whole thing where it's like, and no human has ever actually seen a dead one. It's like, that's just bullshit. I, I, I guess you needed it for the convenience uh. of the story. Uh, all right. It's been 50 minutes. You want to talk about any of the rules of this? Sure. There are six stats. They range in value from, uh, from four to 20, uh, five to 20. If you're, if you're a Wraithu, the way you determine your stats is you take four and add a D six to that. And then you do that for all six of the stats. And then you have 10 more points to spend on those stats. Those, those stats are, uh, will strength, dexterity, uh, stamina, perception, willpower, and intelligence. Thank you. Now, uh, the book has two different ways of doing this. You can either do random rolls for basically everything, because you're like, skill points you can get a random roll for, your stats you can do random rolls for, everything you can do that, or you can just do a point-by system instead. The thing to point out with this is, if you do the random rolls, for your stats especially, mm-hmm. you get, like Jeff said, you have a four- you roll a d6, and then you can distribute 10 points afterwards. Right. That is great, but if you do the point by, you just get a 4 and everything, and then 34 points, which is the same as if you had almost rolled a 6 for everything. So mm-hmm. if you do the point by, you're just like, oh, this is a million times better than just trying to randomly roll down the line and maybe I get something. Yeah, and weirdly, uh, every one of the rules that you're going to have to go through and do rolling for, and there's a lot of random rolling and character creation in this, uh, has its own little section for how to do it if you would prefer to do point by for just that section, and it vacillates. The stat one, it's overwhelmingly the better option to use ran- uh, to use uh, point by, but for a lot of the other ones, it's just the average. It's like, oh, you can either add a 3 or a d6. Well, it's always a 4. It is always slightly better than average okay. to do the point by. Uh, yeah. Uh, there are so many stats beyond those six, just, just so many, uh, there's, there's, uh, combat stats that you need to get track of by taking averages of various stats that your character has, uh, like dodge damage, speed and block and repairing weapons is for one reason, another one of your combat stats, but also range damage, range dodge, range speed and ranged weapon repair are different stats that you need to track independently. Well, yeah, because everything is based off of what bonuses or penalties you have from your stats, but you don't start even getting like a plus one to anything until you get to, I think it's 10 or 11, 11 in a stat. 11. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which means that you literally can't get bonuses unless you're spending your bonus points or uh, you do get some bonuses to a couple of stats and a couple of skills from your tribe selection. Yeah, but uh, so you can, that's so the only way much to get even it, to a plus one. Yeah, but so much of it is going to be either a zero or maybe a plus one that you're like, oh, this is just sort of a 
all right, maybe something shifts mildly in one direction or another. Okay. Yeah, you keep doing these complicated uh, like equations to determine things. Like, oh, well, I guess I need to figure out what my character's composure rating is. And it'll be like, well, take twice your willpower bonus and add your intelligence bonus to that. Add that to five and add the roll of a D6. Then average by dividing by three. And you're like, okay, but it's always going to be one, though. Why am I doing all this friggin' work? Yeah, it's a a real weird idea. Yeah, composure was a bad choice for that because composure works differently. But for all the combat stats like dodge and speed and so on, they're all going to be ones unless you way heavily invest in two stats at least because almost all of them are based on the average bonus of two of the stats. Yeah, the so you go down, you get your stats, you get some secondary things, which are energy, which the game is like, maybe you use this, maybe you don't, because energy is just sort of a... Oh, every time you do something that is difficult, lose an energy point, or just don't worry about it, and it doesn't matter. The the example they use for energy is really weird, because they're like, oh, we've been carrying these heavy packs through the desert for days, zap hamstring. I'm getting very... By the way, all of the Wigena, except for Manticore, seem to have names taken directly from Space Mutiny. Yes. Um, just just putting that out. But, but also... Yeah, it'll be like, oh, we've been carrying these packs through the deserts for days. You can't get tired on me now. And I'm like, wait, it's stamina? You already have a stamina stat. Why would that, Why would energy be stamina? Oh, because it's your and energy it's be- points. <laughs> yeah, but it's not. It, I mean, it is informed by your stamina, but like barely. My, my character for the bonus content, spoiler alert, has 48 <laughs> energy uh, and has a plus one to stamina. It does yeah. not factor heavily into the calculation. Hey, you know what? Hmm? My character for the bonus content has 48 energy and does not have a plus one to stamina. Because <laughs> I rolled very slightly less than you. You probably use the point by method for everything, where I use the roll uh, method for everything. It's uh, it's real dumb. Everything's dumb. <laughs> so, yeah, the two don't even, they, they vaguely correlate, but not really. So, uh, the other ones in there, Psyche is the next one of those substats, and that's your ability to do magic junk. Kind of. <laughs> sort of, whatever. The game's magic system is one of those hippie magic systems where it's like, oh, you don't even really want to use magic, but if you do, it can be overwhelmingly powerful. But beware, for it might take hold of you, but beware, for it might threaten you. You know, yeah. it's one of those. Uh, and then composure, which is how composed you are, but also how sexy you are. Yeah, it, and it you, it, you just you can, radiate sexiness with composure. Yeah, but you can lose composure points if you're not doing tribally stuff. So if you're spending your time, if you're a var and you're not acting very varlish, then you can lose composure for doing that. Yeah. You would think that given that it's a relative measure of your attractiveness, that if you were a var and you started acting all kakahari, then the kakahars would be like, ooh, I like the the cut of this var's jib. But no, it doesn't work that way. They can tell that you're not being very varish and they think you're gross looking as a result. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, there are a ton of skills. You get, uh, some amount of skill points, depending on if you do point by or you randomly roll, but -hmm. you'll probably end up with about, you know, like 50 something and somewhere in the 48 to 58 point range. There are just an absolute metric fuck ton of skills. The system is a D 20 roll under. So if I've got a skill of let's say 11 
and I don't have any modifiers to it or anything, like I'm not trying to do it while in a hurricane or some shit, then it's just roll under whatever your skill is to succeed. In a hurricane. Uh, Did you look at the universal modifier chart? In here at all, the the chart for what the difficulty should be. You get a minus two adjustment on your skills if you are mildly inconvenienced by the by a, a slight raise in temperature. Yeah, no the the chart for your negatives in this are so fucking stupid. For a species that's supposed to be like better than better than better than humans in every possible resolve, it's like, oh, is it eighty out? Getting uh, uh, off the, I'm stuck to the couch. Ugh, I wore leather pants. Why did I wear leather pants? <laughs> How do we even have leather pants? The book repeatedly tells us it's roughly 17th century technology. Ugh. And we're all like seven feet tall, so there's got to be a run on... Do- on If we're digging through old fetish wear, like club wear things, there's got to be a run on the extra large pants. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you distribute your points in your skills... Uh, every skill has two stats that will you average to get a bonus. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So you might be at best like a plus two to any given skill. And then you get right, some yeah. skills from your tribe. So it'll be like, oh, my tribe gave me a plus two to fighting or some shit. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, yeah. You also get just a generic, I think it's 28 points to spend on whatever with a with a uh, chart it's kind of like the the bonus points they give you in an exalted game for example where they'll be like here's 28 points by the way raising your stat co- a stat costs five of them raising a skill costs three of them uh ba- buying a merit or flaw costs twice what it's supposed to it's it's basically here's some points but they're not going to go very far yeah this does have a merits and flaws system the, <laughs> which is hilarious the merits and flaws <laughs> are dumb <laughs> The, okay, the human merits and flaws, because yes, you can play as a human in this, and not only can you play as a human in this, but there's a two-page section that's just called For the Women. Uh, but <laughs> So you can start as a human, and they have their own merits and flaws, like, oh, I'm deaf, or I'm blind, or I have trouble with, with uh, vision, or blah, blah, blah. Things that are all, of course, drilled immediately out of the Wraithu through the process of Althea. They're too perfect for that kind of shit to keep affecting them. The Alth- the uh, the Wraithu merits and flaws are Basically, the kind of things that kids are pr- are un- inordinately proud of on like Tumblr. There are things I like have synesthesia. synesthesia, yeah, synesthesia, or I'm a portal for the Fae. Yeah, great. Do they I do keep anything? losing my keys, and it's not because I'm not paying attention. It's because the Fae are hiding them. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's more or less what you're picking when you're picking your uh, your wraith through merits. Is uh, yeah, stuff like synesthesia or um extraordinarily extraordinary lunar luck that kind of thing yeah and you can get sort of a chance for a botched althea so that you end up you're like oh yeah you've got like poor vision even though you're one of the perfect raithu oh that's so sad everyone thinks you're a sad baby I think my favorite one of those is reversed growth, where the Althea process doesn't make you a foot taller. It makes you one to three feet shorter instead. Yeah. Everyone else running around is like seven foot tall, and you are someone's like six, five, three king. <laughs> yep. Uh, the To the credit of the book, it doesn't immediately go like, and these guys get way less Aruna than the other Har's. Oh my god, there's, so there's like three quotes per page in this of just random dumb bullshit. 
but one of them is someone making fun of another Raithu's penis. And I was like, what the shit is this? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess he just had a shitty limb. Yeah, he's like, ooh, that's the smallest ooh on a limb I've ever seen. You sure you aren't just a flat-chested woman? I'm like, what the fuck? What the (laughs) fuck? You know what drives me crazy? And it it actually makes perfect sense based on the way this book, these novels were written and so on. The main character of the novels is is a human woman. Of course. Yeah, because that, of course, I mean, absolutely, of course. And it's because that that way she can go on a, a tour of sexy dudes making out but of course they would never deign to have sex with her because that would be icky and also it would instantly kill her yes uh, uh so uh it, it's got a super complicated wound system you've got minor and major wounds your minor wounds basically just act like your standard hit points uh mm-hmm. if you get minor wounds they just come off your track and it doesn't really matter major mm-hmm. wounds You've got, as a Raithu, you've got five more than a human. And the you have ex- a set number. It's not a, ra- a random thing. You have 15. Yeah. You have five more than a human. Humans have 10. You have 15. Mm-hmm. And the five extra ones that you have don't impose penalties. So you can take five major wounds and still function normally. Uh, the next five, you get a minus five to everything you're doing. And the next five is a minus 10 to everything you're doing. Right. And it's not that difficult to treat minor wounds because you can use Agmara, which is this game's magical healing energy, uh, which is often heavily generated through Grissicon, which is Aruna for magic purposes. Yeah. Fuck magic helps you heal. So good. Mm -hmm. Good on that. But it only it only helps heal minor wounds. Uh, Aruna or sorry, uh, geez, Raithu and in particular, are not especially qualified doctors or first aid people because they're so used to the fact that they could just bone their way to healthy living. Yeah, the the thing is, for major wounds, even if you are using Agmara and doing magic healing, it still requires someone to use first aid or doctor skill or something along with the magic. So mm-hmm. someone in their tribe has to be able to be like, hey, I'm the one person who remembers what a band-aid is so come over here and i'll zap you with some energy and also patch you up right okay so at this point we've gone through the process more or less of how to make a character you've got some hit point equivalents you've got stats you've got skills you've got bonuses to hit and dodge and what have you the only thing that's really left is magic uh this game's magic is balls out it's a combination of exceedingly unnecessarily complicated and arcane but also not that difficult once you get into it because all of the it's just like oh here are there 12 different types of spells there are and basically all boil down to skill rolls that you can make so the way it works is you have a manipulation stat that's going to be essentially your skill that's what you're trying to roll under Mm -hmm. uh you have a resistance stat which is if someone tries to cast a spell on you that's their penalty yeah. And then there are three categories of types of spells. There's matter, so you get your elemental, air, earth, fire, water categories. Mm-hmm. Uh, energy, which is spirit, kinetic, attraction, plasmatic, and uh, kinetic is fairly self-explanatory. It's just, you know, kinetic motion. You can throw things right. or do stuff. Spirit well, plasmatic is, yeah. Spirit is uh, telepathy and messing with people's minds. Plasmatic is is your ability to control Wendy O. Williams. <laughs> Great, thanks. I'm glad you got that 
awful joke in there. I, I needed to get that it joke out. It's not my worst. fault you kept stepping on it. It was going to be good. No, it was bad. It was never good. It was uh, going to be great. Plasmatic is electricity, and attraction is literally just attraction. It's like gravity power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the last one is the most complicated, and it's time control, uh, phasing, destruction, and conversion. My favorite thing about the time control part is that there's a one-line sentence that feels like it probably should have been removed in editing, which is, no one knows that much about time magic because every single Raithu who's ever tried to use it has vanished and never come back. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing like phase magic. Oh, this can open up doors to other dimensions. But anyone who does it is probably going to die because the other dimensions don't have to follow our rules of physics or even have breathable, breathable air. Right. But the temporal one literally says that anyone who uses temporal magic vanishes forever. And I was like, well, then why do we even have these stats? Uh, well, you can't have anything in the changing states, the last four at all, to, as a starting character. No, you have to eventually get there. That is kind of the last major section of character design to get into, the rank system. Uh, despite... The Raithu being an extraordinarily young species, they have a very regimented rank structure that is difficult to explain. Well, they have a cast system for casting magic, where it is, you start out, every new character is going to be at the bottom of the rung, where you're like, what are you? Uh, I am the tier one and grade one. And each, there are three tiers, and each tier has three grades. And they all have the same name from one one tribe to another, even though some of these tribes do not remember contacting each other. Oh, yeah. Like, You've got ones that are like, oh, I'm in, like, England, and this other tribe is in, like, the southwestern deserts of America, but we both use the exact same names for everything. And the exact same ranks, so they must be some kind of actual, like, measurable... Uh, difference between rank one and rank two of tier one or tier two but we don't know that it, it's not said except the obliviata don't use it and uh <laughs> so it doesn't actually have anything to do with that yeah which that just makes it worse so you got these megalithic and north american tribes like the Wigena, which are oh we are so insular and crusty punk and isolated that we we've never left the, the rough equivalent of seattle to uh, the hate ashbury district uh, and yet we have the exact same rank tools as the Egyptian guys who never come out of Egypt. In fact, we don't even have stats for them. We just know they're called the Keops. Very imaginative, by the way. <laughs> Keops, prangent sex. <laughs> Starch masks. <laughs> uh, anyway, once you, yeah. get all, once you get all this done. Oh, there's one last thing to mention. Uh, it, it's not enough to just pick up sword as a skill in this game because the game's got a convoluted combat system where you need to have both a fighting style and your fighting style has to have more ranks of skills selected in it than the weapon that you're going to be using in that fighting style. Yeah, so you, so you can have take... one-handed weapon fighting style and then you would also have to put points into, like, sword. Yeah, and if you just put points into one or the other, you're useless uh, the only exceptions to that are all ranged weapons, because there's no gun fighting styles. Uh, brawling, if you just want to throw punches at people. And for some reason, fencing. Fencing is a, a, a wholly self-contained fighting style where you know how to fight with rapiers and sabers and so on. That 
where if you're instead to just use a Gladius, you need two complete and different skills. Uh, I would. What are you going to do? <laughs> I would like to read a little bit from this book right now about combat, if I can. Now, you know how I get if you try to read things directly from the books, John. You love Very it. Very accepting. Please go ahead. <laughs> a word of warning. Combat can be fatal. If a character has a tendency to run into any combat situation unprepared and without caution, they can and probably will die. This game is not based on Hollywood rules. It's based on how weapons damage bodies in the real world. If you were faced right. with a trained swordsman in real life, you'd have little or no hope of coming out alive unless you were similarly trained. This book, for some reason, decided to say, oh, yeah, I know we've got an entire book about magical, hermaphroditic, androgynous sex dudes, but uh, <laughs> come on, uh, learn how to use a sword. Well, also, they're like, oh, yeah, no one has a chance of getting into a fight with a real swordsman and coming out the other end alive. And and all I can think is I've spent the past 230 pages reading about your ubermensch people. What are you talking about? They can't take a few wounds and come out the other side alive. Yeah, it's uh, it's just it, a it weird. That's why I picked it out, because I was like, this seems weirdly out of place for this book. Oh, it absolutely does. It feels like the combat system was bolted on from someone who takes RPG combat systems exceptionally seriously. And it's bolted on from both sides because on the one side, why is it so unnecessarily serious and restrictive in a game where combat's not even the fucking point? And on the other side, who the fuck are you even fighting? This book doesn't have a section about monsters in it. I guess you're supposed to fight other Wraithu. There's no point to rolling against humans. As we've established, humans are a non-entity, non-threat. If you feel like killing them, you just go do it. Yeah, there's one more thing I wanted to read from this book, and it is, of course, the GM advice for how to deal with problematic players. Oh, right. Uh, number one, kill the character. <laughs> yes, this might sound harsh, <laughs> but Raythu is a harsh world with many dangers for the unwary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> number two, devote a small amount of time to the split party members, but give more time to the core party. Disruptive players will get bored when they aren't the center of attention. <sighs> or three, a gentle nudge, use an NPC to redirect the plot so it's back on course. If your players try to skirt around the issue and don't bite the hook, don't panic, just continue running the game. But for the love of God, whatever you do, under no circumstances should you talk to your players. Yes, if a bunch of your players want to do something in your game and you don't want to do that, immediately make them do it anyway or kill them yeah force them to using your dm magic you, they're, they're, in, instead of going like hey would you not or hey i wrote this so i want to do this or yeah if you if you're like guys all i have today is this adventure and i know you want to go do something else but if you want to do that i'll write something up later you want to just hang out and eat pizza <laughs> No, by by no means you do anything that's not chicanery. <laughs> this book's from 2005. I yeah. would have thought it was a lot older. No, it's it feels very early 90s because, and I've harped on this several times, it feels like someone went, boy, I really want to turn Vampire the Masquerade into an even more fetishy game. 
Well, yeah. I mean, there's multiple layers of kind of like uh, fetish stuff in this where first someone wrote the novel, Storm Constantine wrote the novels in the first place, which are obviously an Omegaverse style list of super important rules for why her her uh, pet creation of, of the of the Raithu have to fuck each other. And 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 a human woman has to be there watching. And someone came along and read those and was like, man, I sure do love the extremely convoluted method by which you came to writing your porn. But you know what it's missing? Character creation. <laughs> a combat model. Why don't we put that stuff in here? Uh, so there's multiple points that I find incredibly fascinating about the development of this game and how it came into existence. Yeah, it is. It's it's just weird that this would exist at all. Oh, yeah, because it's also missing some of the it, like a lot of the pretentious uh, or or extremely license driven games of the of again the early to mid '90s. There's nothing to fucking do. And, and the book more or less acknowledges that, and it, it even has a section about how to handle Aruna with an open playing party. Oh yeah, if you're like, oh yeah, establish the comfort level of everybody at the uh, at the table. If for the people who are actually comfortable with role playing through Aruna, uh, role play through it with them. Describe the give and take and the push and pull of of proper sexual Aruna. Uh, for the others, just don't say that. Instead, they have nice Aruna, and then later on they wake up. <laughs> yeah, there's a, a whole thing in there where they're like. Oh, what are the the different levels? Well, there's one where you just hand wave it and don't really talk about it and just say, mm-hmm. yeah, it happens in the background. All the way up to the last one is, now you can get into the real dark shit. You can start talking about cutting people while you fuck them. And I'm like, what? Okay, yeah. sure. There's, the book also, uh, for probably because it's got so much in common with Vampire, the, the DNA is so similar, has a lot of LARP rules. Yes. Uh, the LARP rules aren't great. <laughs> They're like, hey, it's okay to carry metal weapons, but whatever you do, don't swing them at anybody too hard, okay? <laughs> uh, uh, but it does, it does recommend you carry foam weapons instead. Yeah, the, uh, uh, and, the LARP rules for like, oh, and, but what about Aruna? Well, may, maybe don't do that, but maybe do. It's up to your comfort level. Uh, well, you know, on the one hand, I don't want to judge people for wanting to get together and do sexual role-playing games. Uh, my my general take on fetishy or highly sexualized role-playing games is that they're probably not the best idea financially to write because you're you're really aiming at a very very small target audience because they I'm, have to I'm want also, your fetish. Go ahead. I'm wondering who is going to be doing this as a sex LARP because if you're talking about like, Oh, it's a, it's a bunch of like gay guys out there doing it. Like, yeah, but the entire point of this is that you don't get to have gay sex. It has to be like penis and vagina sex is the whole point of it. And it's just, it's so weird to me. Everything about this game is weird and I hate it. Yeah. And I don't, I, I, I mean, ultimately John and I, the both of us are a couple of cis dudes and I, sure, I'm bi, but that that counts for fuck all in the in the in the LGBT discussion community. We are definitely not the right people to talk about this. But the it, it is obviously so very very wrong that even we are just like, hey, this is this is crazy right here. <laughs> um, I I guess basically the people you're looking for are you want to set a group of role players like a collection of them who all have the same basic fetish uh but i mean ultimately again i don't mind the, the larping because 
you're playing someone else. If you're playing an androgynous hermaphroditic, seven foot tall, fuck dude, fuck fellow, and cool, you can you can get into that headspace. Power to you. Um, it's it's just the market's really small. I think it's my general com- my concern when people talk about writing fetish no- or uh, RPGs is who's going to buy it. You either have to write every fetish into it so that you try and cast a wide net to like get everybody in fet life. Or you just do the outsider art thing where it's one very, very specific fetish, which is what this is. Yeah. And, (laughs) I mean, also, along the whole lines of Vampire, the entire power fantasy of this, outside of the sexual aspect, is just like, oh, you get to be a a cool superhuman and run around. But Mm -hmm. with Vampire, there's at least, like... You have some weaknesses, so there's some tension, and also, humanity exists, and there's things to interact with, where in this, you're like, oh, you're a a perfect badass super being, but all you do is hang out with other perfect badass super beings, most of them better than you because you're a starting character, and I guess have sex and maybe talk? None of the tribes. None of the tribes, as of the start of this book, are at open war with each other. Nope. Uh, when they meet, when they meet out in the world, they usually kind of sure they kind of have some tension between them just because of different lifestyles. But there's no one who's like, ah, the Var have encountered the Galaming. Obviously, skirmishes will break out. That's not a thing. No, um, they just sort so, of have you know West Side Story snap dance battles at each other and then they leave. Right. So there's really genuinely nothing to do but role play the very specific, very unusual and very, very restricted type of sex that this game has to offer. Yep. Ursat's penis and Ursat's vagina. That is all that exists in this world. And it's pretty far from enough, I think I'd say. Uh, All right. I'm done talking about this book. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, you're not, because I need to ask you what your favorite thing about it is. Ugh. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead and ask me what my favorite thing about this is. By all means, John, my good friend, what's your favorite thing about this book? Uh, it would definitely be the open magic system, the way that it works mm. as far as like, okay, I've got two points in air, or I've got two points in fire, or whatever it happens to be. There is a page that's like, oh, this is what the measurement is. So, like... It's liters for water. So if you're like, I've got two points in water, I can affect two liters per round. Great. And you can just describe what you do with it. There's no spells. You don't cast specific things. You just sort of decide, all right, what elements am I using? What is the desired effect? Here, let me tell you what I'm doing. And then you figure out how much you have to spend and then you do it. Like, Mm -hmm. it's an open casting system, and it's probably more restrictive than it needs to be, because you don't really start with almost any ability to do it, but I do like the system that is in place. So there you go. What's your favorite thing in this? I'm going to similarly say the psychic system in this book, which we didn't even come to. We kind of forgot to talk about it. Uh, all Wraithu have three psychic powers, and they are the same three. They just have them in varying degrees of control that they have access to. And I kind of like that because it gives a little bit of flavor to the to the Wraithu as a species because they're not the most basic psychic. Sure, one of them is just tele- tele- telepathy. That one's 
that one's pretty straightforward. All of these these uh, beings can telepathically commute with each other in various degrees of success and strength. Uh, some of them simply don't have the ability at all and can only receive messages from others. But the second one is very unusual and very flavorful. It's just thermokinesis. Yeah. All of them can raise the ambient temperature around them, either in general or in specific in a specific uh, uh, one spot. So if you're strong at it, you can start small fires or you can condense water into ice. And this means that they're very rarely uncomfortable in their environment, which you wouldn't know from reading the chart of difficulty adjustments. Uh, and then the third one is some other thing. Oh. I, it's escaped my mind at the moment. I think it's just sort of general awareness of, of living creatures nearby or something like that. It wasn't that impressive. Oh, no, it was Future Sense. So there you have it. I thought that was kind of cool. I thought it gave an interesting flavor to the Wraithu that thermokinesis in particular is just kind of a weird universal power for all of these beings to have. And I found that kind of cool. Sure. That said, John, I now must bring you to the much more difficult question. What is your least favorite thing in this book? Oh, I, I'm going to have to go ahead and say that narrowing it down to the a specific thing, it has to be the inception process. Man, because, I knew you were going to say that. Well, it's one, it is very like fucked up to be like oh yeah they have to kidnap torture and rape you but then you like it and i'm like that is ooh when you're going with some very heavily homosexual tones to things to then say that they do this in order to get young boys to join them it ooh it, boy that rubs <laughs> me the wrong way <laughs> it certainly doesn't look good on paper it Which is unfortunately not what is you want to see printed on. <laughs> yeah, they do this. And you're like, oh, I don't think you thought about what that looks like from the outside. Because, oh, boy, that looks real bad. It really feels like your power fantasy starts with a different kind of fantasy. Yeah, it's uh, oh, man, it's it's just bad. It's everything that is bad. Uh, I I think I already mentioned the thing that I'm going to say is my least favorite thing in this book, uh, which is that one passage that more or less tells you everything you need to know about the people who are making it. Uh, but I'm going to tack onto that as well. These the couple pages of thoughts for women, because hmm. uh, basically the thoughts for women section is like how can women play this game? Obviously, every one of these the Raithu is a sexy hermaphroditic dude, uh, so. Can you play as human women? Yes, the main character of the book is a human woman, the book goes on to tell you. Uh, you you can basically accept that your life is going to be lived amongst these gentle creatures who might kill you at any moment, and at least you get to watch them have sexy-ass sex. But what about playing as a woman? Like, who? not playing as a character as a woman, but playing if you yourself are a woman and you would like to play this game. Well, you know, consider playing a human woman. And and I, the whole time I'm reading it, I'm like, the whole point of the Raithu is that they are both genders women can just play as Raithu. Yeah. And even if they and even if they were all men, women can play as men. Yeah. God, that entire section is so bad. <laughs> I mean, it it fails on so many levels at once that I kind of sound like I'm wrong when I'm describing the ways it sounds wrong because I have to get to the other ones. <laughs> like it it's the the whole concept of the Raithu is basically a female uh, driven kind of fic fantasy. And the idea that it's like, well, 
we've created this this very this this world written by a, a woman but it's kind of for men now men control it now how do we get women into this it's not going to be easy i'll tell you that and i'm well, like fuck you huh? So that's my least favorite thing about this. And John, let me ask you a question. Would you play this game? Oh, good Lord, no. <laughs> I cannot imagine a circumstance where that would ever happen. Uh, yeah. I mean, between the fact that there's nothing to do, the the, poli- the, the sexual politics of the game being very boneheaded, uh, the, 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 the combat system being unnecessarily faux realistic and cruel. There's just no good resonant thing to, to do here. Yep. It's, it's a bad game and a boring game and an offensive game. Yep. It really hits all the marks. <laughs> it's just firing on all cylinders. <laughs> That's why this one's a perennial in the like worst role-playing games of all time list. Uh, whenever you look at those lists on the internet, like, oh, the 10 top worst games, you get shit like Senzar and Fatal and so on. Raythu's always floating around in there somewhere. And a lot of the time, I've read uh, I've read a million of those lists because obviously they're good for us, for me to go find games to review. Um, a lot of the time, the description of Raythu is, this book is weird because it's about people with flower penises and it's it's sexually very confused and gross and when i was reading i kept being like oh you prudes just get over it and now i've read it i'm like nope nope the prudes are the people who wrote this (laughs) and no i wouldn't play this either great good all right well i'm glad to hear that a well-rounded very long very angry episode it's true god there's so much here there was very little time for bits when there's so much garbage in this game. But hey, if you want to hear more garbage about this game, well, good news, because we both already made characters in it, and we're going to go talk about the process of making those characters on our bonus content over on the Patreon. That's right. If you go to patreon.com slash system mastery, support us at the bargain basement price of $1. Why, you get our bonus content where we made characters. Mm-hmm. That's uh, us going through and really getting a little bit of a deeper dive into the engine by which characters are made in the game, which is often the thing people are most interested in anyway. Uh, When we forget to do it, it's the first thing we get yelled at. The second thing we get yelled at is not faking a combat. Um, Hmm. uh, Oh, and the third thing we get yelled at is Elric. And fuck him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Melbone? Melnibones. Melnibones. Melnibone, yeah. there we go. Mm-hmm. Eh, fuck there em. it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, $1 at the Patreon. Stop on by patreon.com slash system mastery and join us. That that unlocks two of these episodes a month. They're a good deal. There's plenty more levels to support us at as well where that unlock even more shows. You can get like nine bonus shows a month. It's dumb. It's crazy. We do too many shows. True facts. But that's the one we're definitely going to go record right away, the two of us, right after this, and you'll be able to get it pretty much immediately. So thank you so much for listening. We'll see you over on the Patreon, and you all have a really good one. 